This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And we are back. We had a lovely Thanksgiving. Did you, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. Lots of food, lots of family, you know. Well, Just was, enough food. Are you honest. a ham guy? I or am. Or are you a turkey guy? No, my family is anti-turkey. I love your family now. I mean, that's what's not to love. Turkey's completely overrated. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know if it's my family who just can't cook turkey, but turkey is extremely overrated. Mm-hmm. It's a bad food. You got to get the, you got to go with the ham. If you have on, to smother food with gravy to make it good, it's not good in the first place. Ham is great. Yeah. Ham is great. Go ham. Clear that's winner. what we're saying. Fast Break Podcast. Ham we, is the wet boy of the week. We endorse ham, and we will talk about <laughs> wet boys of the week. And ham, honey baked ham will definitely be a part of it. But we got to do some housekeeping first. Ricky is uh, getting on my ass about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, iTunes. Listener, if you guys are on iTunes, give us five stars over there. The Fast Break Podcast, the Onset Kick, Rick and Johnny Podcast, Primetime Podcast. Am I forgetting any other ones? That feels like a lot of podcasts. Uh, we got four podcasts, I'm pretty yeah. sure, and they're they're all pretty great, and you should be giving them five stars on iTunes. We would appreciate the love over there. Also, check out patreon.com slash Podcast. We're going to have Jake on soon. Christian's going to be on soon. Pat's going to be on soon. It's going to be a fun time having all of our patrons on there. You can be one of those if you go to patreon.com slash Podcast. And also, if you want to be part of the MVP family, we are... Now selling shirts. You got to email mostvaluablepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, all of it should be in the description down below, so I don't want to get anything yeah, wrong. Check the description down below. You can find out how to get your own shirt. But $22, shipping included. It's a great deal. The shirts are pretty comfy. Yeah. And, and also, you're supporting us, and, and you're part of the family. So it'd be, yep. it's, it's, it's fun to always be a part of a family, especially <laughs> one that hates turkey on Thanksgiving. But let's jump into the dampest of dudes, the yep. soggiest of shooter, the wettest of boys, Dave, you got a two-time wet boy. Who is it? I feel like I'm playing favorites here. I'm just picking the cherries right off the top. It's James Harden. The, the man is the... I, I've heard it actually this week. It was the best player to not win a championship in the NBA right now. And it's kind of hard to argue with that in my Kawhi? mind. Why? Kawhi won a championship. That's right. Yeah. He was an MVP. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, Files MVP, Kawhi Leonard. So, no, James Harden. He has been killing it. And you know what's even better? Is that Chris Paul came back... And he's he's still killing it. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, the stat line's ridiculous. He's putting up like 34 points a game, uh, 9.3 assists, uh, just shy of seven rebounds. The biggest stat, though, two turnovers a game. Just two turnovers a game. I think there was some stat in that game where him and Chris Paul combined had 20 assists with no turnovers or two turnovers, yeah. something crazy, yeah, especially mean, with the ability of James Harden to turn the ball over. Yeah, he is the identity of this Houston Rockets team. He is what makes them go, and honestly, I love it because he's playing absolutely crazy, like a man possessed out there. Yeah, you look at it 36 minutes per game, and also what I like, at least in that three-game sample that you're giving us, Three wins. Really love that. Yeah. Seeing that. They're, we usually like They're to, the number one team in the NBA right now. Yeah. We usually like incorporating wins into our wet boys. Unfortunately, I didn't do that with my guy. My <laughs> guy went one and two, but I got to give love to a Orlando Magic great. Aaron Gordon what? just had his second career 40 point game, the second 40 point game of the season. He had one back against Brooklyn early in the season, just dropped one against OKC. They won that game 40 points, 15 rebounds, doing it on 56% shooting from the field and also. 6 of 12 from 3 for Aaron Gordon in that Stretching game. Stretching the floor. Lighten it up. And I think we, we either the stats already showed or you guys are already back on us. But in those three games that he did play, that he went 1-2, and two, still had a nice stat line. 24 points per game, 2.3 blocks per game, 2 steals, 2.7 assists, 10 rebounds, 
84% from the line, 52% from three, and 51% from Aaron Gordon. Those are superstar numbers. I don't know if he's going to be a superstar soon, but you look at him, 22 years old. He's younger than Kyle Kuzma. He's younger than the president, Malcolm Brogdon. (laughs) This is a guy that was huge coming out of college. I mean, you saw the athleticism back then. You saw it in high school as well. A highly drafted prospect, and he really wasn't able to put it together, but now he's finally putting it together. We saw the athleticism in the dunk contest, but now he's being able to do it on the floor in games, and we're also seeing him develop that three-point shot, and we're seeing him kind of develop into not just a guy, a power forward who can stretch the floor, but a guy who can really have the ball in his hands and at least take it to the rim and, and be a guy that is you know, multifaceted out there. Yeah. And Aaron Gordon growing out there is absolutely ridiculous because he's looking good defensively. He's looking good shooting the three, and we already know how athletic he is. And you thought I was silly when we, when we asked right here on the show, are the Orlando Magic for real? They're not. They're not. Aaron Gordon is. Aaron Gordon is. Vucevic isn't real. <laughs> Elbert Payton isn't real. Isn't for real. Aaron Gordon's for real. Hey, I'll, I'll give Aaron Gordon one out of three is sure. not bad for their ten starter. For sure. And one thing too, Jonathan Isaac, still a young prospect, and they're still going to have some high draft picks that possibly could help this team out. But you look at Aaron Gordon; he's a guy that can he definitely that be focal point. a part of a future out there in Orlando. So Aaron Gordon getting his first wet boy of the year. James yep. Harden getting his second. Dope. Let us know your wet boys. In the comments down below, this is a segment we love doing. We're going to keep it going, and we're going to keep doing it every single week. So let us know your wet boys down in the comments below. But Dave, let's move on now. We're going to head over to someone who's not too hot, someone who's not going to be a wet boy anytime soon. We're talking about Dave Fisdale, the former yeah. head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Got fired on November 27th. I was shocked by it. I got the the yeah. Woj bomb that was sent to my uh, phone. I was just kind of shocked by it. And Michael Lee, who LeBron James retweeted and, and kind of summed it all up, David Fisdale's firing was so stunning. I had to check, double check, and triple check Woj's Twitter account to make sure that it was legit. Then I made sure it was legit. Blue check. Went over to Woj's Twitter page and scrolled down again because I didn't want to be duped by a fake account. It was absolutely wow. insane. I mean, people in the NBA world were shocked by it, too. LeBron tweeting out, I need some answers. Feel like my man was a fall guy. You even look at D-Wade. D-Wade said a similar thing as well. So, Fizdale taking the firing. Him and Mark Gasol were getting into it. Are you shocked that Fizz ended up getting fired? Yeah, I am absolutely stunned because this is a team that I, I don't want to blame their their current losing streak. They've lost nine in a row as we're recording this. Um, obviously, they're having struggles, but they've also had to struggle with injuries. Throughout his entire career, I feel like Fizdale has had to deal with star his star players being injured, mm-hmm. not being consistently out there, and even the role players they have is just like next man up mentality, which we've been praising him for. That's why he was one of our more highly ranked coach yep. coaches during our offseason. Like, I don't want to blame this season on him. I don't want to blame their lack of success on him directly. Um, so it's very interesting that this is the moment in time where the team decides that we're moving in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, you look at Fizz's first year and only year, full year, in, yeah. in Memphis, he had a great year, 43-39. and 39. He had a one-win improvement of his predecessor in Dave Yeager. Yeager got fired as well, but Yeager was looking more at a different job. He was you know, pursuing other jobs. He was talking to different teams about a position. Memphis didn't like that, though, so they canned him. They brought in Fizz. Fizz gave him a one-game improvement, and that was dealing with a Marcus Ollinger. That was dealing with a Mike Conley injury. That was dealing with a ton of injuries to Zebo. The shell of Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons being injured, so he was dealing with a ton, but they still improved. You look at the Spurs-Grizzlies series, that was pretty close. I mean, they took... It was more competitive Spurs, than anyone expected. Yeah, they won two games, and yeah. I think they took uh, one of those games to overtime as well that they lost. So, you look at it, overall, they had a nice performance under Fisdale, and it really came to a head when him and Marcus Gasol were bashing. So, yeah. do you feel like it was the right move? Because, obviously, they, apparently, they gave him an ultimatum, whether it was Fisdale or... Or Marc Gasol, do you feel like it was the right move to go with Fisdale over Mark? 
So this is kind of a... I'm going to take it back one step because mm-hmm. as an NBA franchise, they kind of have to decide what is their happy point. I know at the end of the day, everyone wants to compete for a championship. Realistically, there's not you know 30 teams this league competing for a championship. You have the teams who are competing for that top draft spot. You have the teams who are in the middle who are happy at growing their market, keeping everybody invested, and then you have the teams who are truly competing for a championship. Mm-hmm. And Memphis has kind of been in that like middle upper area. They're not quite good enough to win a championship, but they're scary enough of a team that you don't want to face them in the playoffs because they can take a series. So when it comes to what they're going to do for the future, I don't know if I would agree with them with, all right, we're going to keep our head coach, we're going to trademark Gasol because he has value. Um, Mike Connell, we still have the contract. When he returns from his injury, we can see what we can do with that. But I, I don't know. I'm more on the side of I might have gone for the younger. I might have gone for the rebuild. That's the person who I am. I, I'm a very big person who believes in the rebuild. Yeah. But Gasol is still an excellent center. He's one of the best centers in the league today. Um, and I know there's a lot of teams out there who would be interested in him. But to say that we're going with him as our rebuild point at this point in his career... Very interesting choice. Yeah, there's no way that the Cavs wouldn't be interested in a guy like Marcus Gasol, a yeah. guy that's been a defensive player of the year before, obviously a little bit slower defensively, but even offensively still a monster, a guy yeah. that's been able to stretch the floor now. Later in his career, he's still dominant down low. He's still a good defender, even though he slowed down a bit. And one Mark- of the most important things I just want to jump in is that he knows when he needs to put out his foot on the gas and when he can go back, and he doesn't need to put up 25 a night. Mm-hmm. He knows how to facilitate his teammates, get everyone involved. That's one of the best things is he's, he's a smart veteran who kind of understands the flow of the game better than a lot of the guys around him who are more just pure scorers, so he can bring more to the game. Yeah, and Marcus Gasol, again, 32 years old, so he's not old, but he is not young as well. He's he's, he's getting closer and closer to coming out of his prime, but still a great player. But I'm going to side with you as well. I mean, this is something where... Obviously, you don't want to move away from a guy like Marcus Hall, a guy that's been there since 2008, a guy that's been really an anchor for this franchise, him and Paul. I mean, you look since 2003, there's always been a Gasol in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform, and that has really helped this team kind of be respected in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul was fantastic with Memphis, really didn't do much, at least as a franchise with Paul, but then you finally get Mark in there, and, and now you kind of see the playoffs coming you know, more consistently with the addition of Mike Conley. and. I think it's one thing where you look at Conley and you look at Gasol, they're both great players. But again, we got to go back to the injuries. Mike Conley currently out. That's a huge reason why you yeah. have a nine-game nine losing streak. There's not enough on this team to help Marc Gasol and help the other players you know, come up and, and, and actually win games. It's not like Fisdale was losing these games and Fisdale was trying to get anything going. He clashes heads with Gasol and then Gasol with the power that he has, yeah. at least in Memphis, was able to get him fired. And now you have J.B. Bickerstaff there in in Memphis being the interim, and I just feel like it was the wrong move because you look at Memphis, like you said, they're a good team, but they're not going to win a championship anytime soon. I'd be shocked if they went to the Western Conference Finals anytime soon, and that's with a healthy team. So overall, I feel like it's the wrong move because you look at Fisdale, his experience in Miami, his experience in Atlanta before this, and his first successful year going 43 and 38, Mm -hmm. that's something that you can't get rid of and can't push aside. I mean, Fisdale is a young coach here, and he has energy, and he is really a smart basketball mind. That's something you can't take for granted now in the NBA. You want players to be able, or you know, you want players to want to play for your coach. And before this season, before the clash with Marcus All, it felt like 
Fizz had a really great relationship with his players. You obviously see the effect that he had in LeBron and D. Wade yeah. calling him my guy. Why is my guy the fall guy? Exactly. It's huge to have LeBron James call you my guy. I mean, this is a guy that you know LeBron doesn't get along with coaches. LeBron feels like he could be his own coach out there. He doesn't want people telling <laughs> him coach, what to yeah. do out there yeah. because it's LeBron James. He's the best basketball player in the fucking league. So don't <laughs> tell me what to do. But if you got a guy in Fizdale who he respects... That's something that, you know, it, it, that you can put that in your resume. Yeah. Like, if you can go into an NBA office and be like, hey, LeBron James respects me. That's that's the highest praise you can ask for right now. That can keep you a job. And the one thing I want to bring up is it's not on Fisdale and it's not on Marcus Gasol. I feel like that shouldn't have been the ultimatum. Right. I feel like the real blame should be right now on Chris Wallace. You look at the GM of the Memphis Grizzlies. What has he done besides Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley, and Zach Randolph? He's never been able to plenish this team with deep enough bench talent. Right. He's never been able to you know, sup, sup, surplant enough talent around these guys. You have Jeff Green floating around. You pick Hashim Thabit. You don't have the draft picks that you know really have that staying power. You look, last year, they mm-hmm. go out and get Wade Baldwin. Baldwin's off the team after a year. I mean, what is the scouting talent like in Memphis? Why aren't you able to you know, really develop these players outside of Conley and Gasol? Yeah. Where is the problem really lying in Memphis? And it's a guy in Chris Wallace who's been there since 2008 and hasn't really been able to de- develop talent. Right. No, I think you're absolutely right. You nailed it on the head. It's it's how do you build a team up right, and what have they done to help themselves since? And the answer is not much. That This year they've been lucky that Tyreek Evans kind of turned back the clock and because of all these injuries, he's become a primary ball handler again. He's in his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. He's really exceeding all the expectations that were there for him. So they're lucky that they're at least getting that much out of him. But you're right. Last year, it was a lot of these role players stepping up. And we were even joking around about, like, at you know, towards towards the three-fourths way through the season, it was like, are they just rolling out like a D-League roster and going to roll into the playoffs with yeah. this? And then it happened. So this year, when, yes, non-game losing streak, they're still trying to find their voice, try to find how they're going to compete in these games. But again, without being able to build through the draft, you're going to get people's leftovers. You're going to have to get reclamation projects and hope that you can get some, you know, somebody who actually pans well, out. And you mentioned that Tyreek Evans was a former rookie of the year, reclamation project, never really got his feet set in yeah. Sacramento, wasn't healthy enough to get his feet set. Finally, it took him a while after the Pelicans to really get his feet set. And like you mentioned, he's been good. You go pick up Chandler Parsons and spend way too much money on oh. him, trying to reclaim him and try to build him back up to what he once was for like 12 games in Houston. Uh. You look at Zach Randolph, a guy that had a lot of, you know, problems outside of the game of basketball in Portland and needed to come to Memphis to really regain his career, which he was able to do. He was a fantastic basketball mm-hmm. player. There wasn't, you know, taking away that. He had his struggles off the court and needed to get away from Portland. He did that and was able to be a great basketball player for a ton of years there yeah. in Memphis. You look at Tony Allen, dealt with injuries, but he still had that at least ability to be a great basketball player. You look at Vince Carter, a guy that was really big on that team last year. Oh my God, Vince yeah. Carter was one of the best players in the NBA. It's not like you <laughs> took a guy with no talent and he just, you know, spopped up at the you know age of 40. He was a great player, and it just took him time to really get acclimated, and you had to give him a specific role to really work in. He just took guys with talent and just hoped they worked. Yeah. It's not like, you know, Chris Wallace is doing anything that we can't do in 2K. Okay. Oh, this is something that you had Marcus Gasol, who's a great player and comes from a great family of basketball players. Yeah. Mike Conley was a number 10 pick and was a great player at Ohio State. You look at Tony Allen, again, Reclamation Project, like you said. Same with Zebo. Same with all these players they kept dragging in and play, putting in. There was never that actual player development that you saw. Right. You got, I, I, you, you have Gasol and you have... 
Mike Conley. And yeah. outside of that, you have no homegrown talent in Memphis. I think the really the guillotine needs to come down on Chris Wallace, and well, that's I mean, one big problem. You mentioned the two names who are gone this year, and Tony Allen and Zebo, and that was grit and grind. That mm-hmm. was what made Memphis. Vince Carter, and Vince Carter. enough. Yeah, well, he, he evolved his game so much as he grew. That was just incredible. He's able to still do that. Mm-hmm. But they lost their identity with losing their defensive toughness. Yes, Gasol is still incredibly tough defensively. Yes, Conley was as well when healthy. Um, but again, it's year after year. If you're losing those guys, you're not able to supplement them with new guys coming up. You're going to keep falling short, and, and you're going to continue to get worse. So that's why I'm surprised when you have the opportunity, you have a head coach who is praised across the league, praised by the best players across the league, who has a background working with some top talent, with guys with egos, guys with uh, personality and who are outspoken, and then you have the chance to flip over a piece like Marc Gasol for maybe maybe a top pick in this year's draft. Maybe a top 10 pick, maybe top 5 maybe pick. with Tristan that Thompson, one. at least and for Tristan the Cavs, Thompson, you get yeah. something there. Well, that's what I'm saying, a TT yeah. and, and that pick. Well, I don't know about the Brooklyn pick, but you oh, definitely will be, yeah. be, be able to supplement it that's and bring saying. in some more talent, without a doubt. And that's one yeah. thing that you're passing on for a 32-year-old Marcus Gasol. Again, Marcus Gasol can still yeah, play basketball. no one has a problem with We're that. We're not doubting that, but you moved on from Paul at the right time, and that really was able to help your team get to the playoffs for the first time since, what, like 2002, I think they made it? So it took them a while after Paul left to yeah. get back to the playoffs. And that's one thing that they need to do is kind of move on from this old regime and bring it in. I thought Fisdale was the guy to do that. And I think they're making a huge mistake here. I think they're getting set in their ways. And now you look at this team possibly being sold or at least changing ownership. They're definitely going to need a change. I think one big change that needs to come is definitely in that front office. And that's one thing that really hasn't changed. But at least going back to Fisdale, he obviously has pulled in this league. Yeah. Been with the Heat. 2008 to whenever he was hired to 2016. Mm-hmm. 2008 to 2016 was assistant with Pat Riley, Spolstra, was on the big three teams. Yeah. Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James was with the Atlanta Hawks as well, 2004 to 2008. He's been in this league for a while. Are there any teams out there that you think that are you know the right fit possibly for Fisdale and should be approaching Fisdale and trying to bring him on to the, at- their side at least? Homer aside, the Bulls, I mean, we, we talked about shitty coaching. Like, we have Hoiberg, for fuck's sake, put out an offer. But I'm telling you right now, um, I think it was uh, Jalen and Jacoby. Jalen was talking about it, and the Clippers are a team that may already have reached out um, behind closed doors to see what's going on, mm-hmm. if Fisdale's available, if he's interested. Um, because I think between him and Mark Jackson, obviously Mark Jackson um, is a little comfortable doing the commentating right now, but still pretty good coach. But Fisdale right now is the hot name, is the one who garners the most interest. And I think the Clippers is the one that's pr- most likely in my mind from everything I've heard. And um, I, I, I'm i all for it, but as a Bulls fan, I throw money at them. Yeah. I don't care what it takes. Hoiberg out. I think there's <laughs> definitely a ton of teams that would be yeah. needing Fisdale. And I think one team that people went immediately to, especially with LeBron coming to oh, well, the defense, would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. But you look yeah. at them now. Nine-game win streak. It feels like they're really turning it around. You see them playing defense. Finally, it looks like the Cavs are kind of yeah. hitting their stride now. And him and Ty Lue, kind of similar guys, at least, in the fact that, I mean, Dave Fisdale's a better coach. I was going to say, like, Dave similar better, guys in the fact that they're both guys? Dave, yeah. No, Dave Fisdale's a better coach, but I'm saying they're both player coaches. I mean, the guys like Ty Lue. Well, that, well, and and the guys like Fisdale They can Fisdale like them, but the respect Gasol. thing. And that was, uh, mm-hmm. back to LeBron quote, um, when I actually interviewed him after the game, it was something along the lines of, uh, one second, um, competitive as anybody, I'm not sure. Oh, hang on one sec. God damn it. Great job, Dave. Really appreciate it. You got it now? <laughs> Fuck you. 
All right, cool. <laughs> Dave just saying yep. that. All right, I got it. Okay. All right. Great. So uh, maybe that was it. He's knocking his nobody's ass out there. Basically, players respect him, but he's not going to go out of his way to be a player's coach. It's you either like the way he is, or you take the road out of town. Mm-hmm. Like and I think that's that's what it is. And at least players kind of like that in the fact that, like, I, I got obviously you know Gasol butted heads with him, but I feel yeah. like overall, if you're able to go into a room with LeBron James and D Wade and say, "All right, respect me." That's yeah. Takes balls. This is the right way things are going to happen around here. Yeah, I think guys appreciate that, and that's one thing that we've seen before. Phil Jackson was able to do that with Jordan. You guys have been able to do that at least before in the NBA, and it's obviously worked out. And I think Fisdale has that ability. I think you know going to a team like the Bulls, being able to develop guys and and kind of work with them, I feel like that could definitely help, especially with young players, especially if they go with a guy like Bagley, who might be a little more selfish. At least what we're seeing from college, maybe kind of getting that respect to the coach right away could be huge for him. Mm -hmm. Or if you talk about the Clippers, you have Blake Griffin out there. If you're able to get the respect from him, that would be huge as well. I feel like it's not going to be the Cavs, so I feel like people got to get off that. Because, yes, the easy thing is to say the Cavs. Ty Lue doesn't look like that great of a coach out there, but they're winning games, and you're not going to fire a guy if you're winning games, unless Uh, you're David Blatt. Yeah, they've done it before. But they didn't love David Blatt, and that was the one thing. So I think it's definitely going to be an interesting situation with Fizdale. Um, but I think the Grizzlies messed up. But I think you're you're on that same boat as well. I am as well. So let us know what you think of the Memphis Grizzlies situation down in the comments below. Do you think the Grizzlies fucked up? Do you think the Grizzlies messed up? I don't know. Maybe effed up's a little I mean, too hard. Yeah, uh, they had two options in front of them. Mm-hmm. They took the road of we're going to go with the players on this one. And I'm sorry, like they had a great coach in Jaeger before. They went a different direction. Well, Fizdale now. Different direction. One thing I want to mention, too, with Jaeger. Jaeger was a good coach. Jaeger's still a good coach. Obviously dealing with some problems out in Sacramento right now. Sacramento's not a great team. But uh, Jaeger was a guy looking for a different job at that time. And that's something that's worrisome because that team was going to the playoffs. That team was winning games. Why was Dave Jaeger looking for a different job? And we were really questioning that back then. Like, you have an NBA job. You're winning games. Why are you taking other job Deeper problems with the Grizzlies, I it feel looks like, like. Yeah, it's deeper problems with the Grizzlies, or maybe it's just deeper problems with Marcus Saul. Right when he got at least fired, Fisdale did. Someone in my group chats, one of my group chats said, is Marcus Saul a coach killer? <laughs> and I laughed at first, but then I was like, well, Jaeger wanted to leave. You look at Fisdale now, I mean, it's... Yeah, it Starting to get a reputation, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but let us know what you think down in the comments below. Was it a mistake by the Grizzlies? Do you think they should have kept Fisdale? Let us know down in the comments below. But anyways, let's move on now to Los Angeles where you're talking about DeAndre Jordan before their three-game winning streak. They had a nine-game losing streak, and they just lost Blake Griffin to a sprained MCL. I believe he's going to be out for two months. And now the question begs, with DeAndre Jordan having a player option at the end of this year, Mm -hmm. should they move DeAndre Jordan? We've kind of come up with the assumption that they should move him. I mean, looking at this team, Blake's injured, going to be out for two months. Milos hurt. Pat Bev hurt. This team looks bad out there. Yes, they've had three wins, but you beat Atlanta, Sacramento, and the Lakers. Big yep. whoop. You're beating trash teams. Yep. It's a trash team. So our idea is that you should be trading them, especially with the value that you could be back. You could get back. If you're losing DeAndre Jordan for agency, why not trade him? So really we're talking about where he will be traded, having the assumption that he will be traded. Maybe he doesn't get traded. Maybe we look stupid, but... They should trade him. Let's be honest, they should. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't trade him, they're stupid for not trading him. So looking at it, the biggest question is, where will he go? And I think a lot of people immediately go to the Cavs. So give me one reason why it will happen for the Cavs, and give me one reason why it shouldn't happen for the Cavs. LeBron is magic at being the GM. Like, he is... I know know he's... Is he going to get rid of his boy TT, though? Yeah, he he earned him his money. He got... 
you know, he gave TT the contract. He, he handed over, was like, all right, you get your money, you help me get a championship, but let's be honest, he is no longer of value. He's great defensively. He can go and guard, you know, other teams' threes. He can go out to the perimeter. He's solid off the pick and roll. But offensively, he is a he's a negative. He he can't he can't put the ball in the hoop. Like that's what basketball is at the end of the day. So if you have someone who is not reliable on offense at all, absolutely negative. And defensively, yes, he's helpful, but he hasn't been consistently helpful the entire season this year. And in the past, he's completely been missing. Like they they even come on. You're putting Kevin Love at center because you don't want to play TT. So time to move on from TT. I think that is the best move for the Cavs. They've got enough ammo to move him. They get DeAndre Jordan. The way that fills out for this Cavs team, even better. Like the, the, the fact that they get a defensive stopper down low, somebody who can run the floor with them and go up and catch lobs, catch oops. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's a great match. And you look at that, especially when Isaiah Thomas is healthy. Ooh. Holy shit, that is a scary. We're back to the All Star team. Five. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's plus and maybe Derrick Rose comes back at some point. We're gonna talk about D Rose yeah. a little bit later, but that's gonna be something as well. You look at him. What if D Rose does come back and you have Isaiah Thomas, D Rose, uh, Kyle Corver, Dwayne Wade, you have LeBron James, Kevin Love, and DeAndre Jordan. Absolutely stacked yep. there. But one reason why it shouldn't happen for the Cavs, or maybe one reason why it won't happen for the Cavs, because maybe it's great in theory, but do you see any problems not working out in this trade deal? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to how much they value their draft picks for the future. It's if you don't think that LeBron James is going to stay, if that is greater than 50%, do you pull the trigger? Do you give away the ammo for rebuilding and hope for if you win a champ and hope that you can win a championship this year because that's truly what it will be. I mean, yes, you could go out and I, I'm sure that DeAndre will waive that player option because he can go get more money. Mm-hmm. Period. So you're you're going to be rebuilding around basically Caleb. You know, yeah. eh, eh. not the I end mean, of the we world. We love Caleb. Yeah, it's not we're the end probably, of the world. We're probably the biggest. We K-Love probably like Caleb more than most people. We probably yeah. love Caleb more than Caleb loves Caleb. I mean, yeah. But like Caleb, you don't want to build a team around Caleb, yeah. especially with how old he's getting. But looking at it, I mean, taking everything in, it probably won't happen, at least in my mind, because the Lakers, the Clippers will probably end up wanting something more than what the Cavs are offering. And, and what I've heard is Shump, uh, TT, and then the Cavs pick. Not the Brooklyn okay. pick for this year, the Cavs pick. And pretty much the rumblings around the Cavs' offices, they don't want to give up that Brooklyn pick. Pretty much for that reason yeah. why you're saying is, what if LeBron need, leaves, we're going to need the ability to go out and get somebody, and you look at Brooklyn right now, you know, they have some decent pieces, maybe a decent basketball team, but, but with so many hurt. injuries, yeah. they're really not performing right now, and that could be a top pick in this draft where we talk yeah. about, you know, already, we're talking about Colin Sexton later, we're talking about Colin Sexton, we're talking about Michael Porter Jr., we're talking about Luka Doncic, we're talking about Marvin Bagley, we're talking about uh, Aiton, we're talking about Bamba as well. There's yeah. so many guys out there that you could possibly be a, you know, at least crux for your franchise. Yeah. So going out there, you don't really want to give up that value, especially for DeAndre Jordan. If he does see that ability to, hey, I can walk, maybe I get a ring, but LeBron's leaving too, I can leave. That's something yep. that worries me. I feel like that's going to be something where, you know, DeAndre doesn't control where he goes at all. He doesn't have a no-trade clause, but he still can leave after this year. He can still decline that player option. I feel like one thing that won't happen is the Cavs won't give up that eighth. The Lakers are the I don't want to keep <laughs> The Clippers won't want to I keep thinking LA. The Clippers won't want to give up DeAndre for that little, and I feel yeah. like that's probably going to be the biggest crutch there as well. So I feel like this DeAndre trade, if he's going to get moved, the b- best fit for him will be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's going to happen. Do you yeah. feel like there's a deal out there that should happen, though, and you think it's like a clear-cut, DeAndre Jordan should go here? 
Uh, I honestly don't have anything in mind. It, it's just you need a playoff, a team that's competing for the playoffs because this is a one-year rental. No doubts about it. Like you mm-hmm. said, DeAndre will most likely walk for more money at the end of this year for a better contract, um, get himself locked into a safe deal. I honestly think that it, it just is going to end up being a playoff team. Whether we could see something fun, the one that I was sort of thinking back and forth on is if they go to Toronto, because JV has been, you know, for two years now, he's been tossed yeah. around as, you know, undervalued, talented, but he's not going to get as much floor time as he maybe deserves. They could use a defensive stopper down low. DeAndre can create matchup issues for people and provide a great uh, paint defender. So, honestly, if he went, if they pull the trigger on something like that, that would be interesting because that changed up the dy- dynamic because he is an elite rebounder. And in the East, when you're looking at a team like the Cavs and the uh, Celtics as the top two teams in the East, you see that, and you see a weakness when it comes to rebounding. If you have DeAndre Jordan, you can take advantage of that, take advantage of them, and set yourself up for way more second-chance possessions. Better, I mean, it just, it, that one kind of lines up. Yeah, and when you look at right now what Toronto's rocking, they're not rocking JV that much down there, right. but you are seeing Yaka Pertle a lot, and you are yep. seeing uh, Lucas out there as well for yeah. the... Uh, for the Raptors, so maybe it's something that I don't see happening just because there's a lot of cap space out there. You look at Serge's big contract, Lowry big contract, DeRozan big contract. Right. I don't know if they're going to be able to get everything going to get in the right direction. The team that sticks out to me, though, that I feel like should put all their money into that outside of the Cavs, I feel like Cavs and DeAndre Jordan, probably a great fit right there because mm-hmm. you're pretty much upgrading your Tristan Thompson to a bigger, faster, <laughs> stronger Tristan Thompson. Yep. What you want Tristan Thompson to be, I feel like just because of the wingspan, I'm hearing a buck noise oh, man. in the background. You <laughs> said the magical mean, words of wingspan. It might mean moving Malcolm Brogdon, which Ooh. would be hurtful. Uh, but I think overall it might be beneficial to him because you look at the size of that team and you talk about being able to be out-rebounding out people. Giannis Antetokounmpo, you're going to have Eric Bledsoe, you're going to have Chris Middleton, you're going to have Jabari Parker when healthy, you're going to have DeAndre Jordan. That is a scary lineup yeah. out there. And that's going to cause a lot of matchup problems because not only is that team big, that team is fast. That True. team is dangerous. I feel like maybe Brogdon, where he does have a lot of potential and, and we, we love him for what he brought to that Buck team, yep. maybe you look at it and you see you know what the pieces they have on their bench already. You have some decent bench pieces there with you know uh, Tony Snell has, has been a good shooter. Yeah, You're going to have shooter. a deep lineup with you know Jabari. They're probably not going to brush him into the starting lineup right away. I feel like not only is he going to bring speed, length, he's also going to take you know breaks from Don Maker away as well, and you're going to yeah. really solidify <laughs> that place down low. I feel like that might be really nice, especially with that trap defense that they play. Having that in that in that one three one trap oh, that they yeah. play, the last one you have is DeAndre Jordan. That's pretty nice. He's a good that goalie. Guy's going to be able to, yeah, he's a good goalie. <laughs> he's going to be able to stop a lot of shots back there. He's yeah. going to be able to bring a lot of athleticism and size and strength. I feel like if there is a team that should jump on it, it's got to be the Bucks because you don't want them going to Cleveland because that's going to make your chances of making the playoffs and going deep in the playoffs tougher. I feel like maybe the Bucks. you already went for Eric Bledsoe, put all your chips in that basket and try to get at least, I don't know, chips in a basket. Does that make any sense? <laughs> Dip in the salsa. Dip, Dip in, in the salsa. salsa with those chips. Fill that, fill that basket up a lot with chips <laughs> and go dunking for some salsa is pretty much what I'm saying. Go out and get DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I, I, I can't argue. The Bucks are a solid choice. The only other one that kind of comes to mind, and I don't know contract situations, like I said, for the first one in the Raptors, I was just like, mm. that'd be a good fit. Another one that could be a good fit could be a team like the Wizards. Um, yep. Gortat has been a consistent double-double. 
would this be a slight improvement for them? Hold on. It's not like DeAndre Jordan hasn't been a consistent double. Right, that's he what I'm saying. Like, a triple double. Is it like, truly an upgrade? Because it's a oh, name yeah. I've been seeing out there. Marcin Gortat, he's he's obviously brings a, a fierceness that you know not a lot of you know him and Zaza bring kind of a different right. type of fierceness out there, but. You know, it, it's definitely an upgrade because that team's going to get quicker. The team's going to get faster, especially in the pick and roll. They're becoming but, way more dangerous. But it doesn't solve their problem not having a backup point guard. No, which, it that's the question: is why would they waste money on it? That's why I'm like because look at the way Scott Brooks plays. It's not like he's gonna, you know, <laughs> he's gonna run his starting lineup, and that's all he's gonna do. All Scott Brooks does is play his starting lineup. So why not maximize <laughs> your starting lineup? To the most potential. It's not like well put. Wall, actually, I didn't. Wall yeah. and Beal play off the court together. They're always on the court at the same time. It's not like he's gonna you know leave DeAndre out on the floor alone. They're gonna pair Wall, Beal, and and Gortat together. So why not upgrade Gortat to DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan? So I feel like that would be a, a smart move as well. I, I feel like Bucks, Wizards, Cavs, all smart moves. I feel like there's not really a place that he doesn't fit. I mean, that's the thing. Like Boston yeah. maybe, but. That's because I don't think Boston, Boston needs to... Boston won't move pieces. Yeah, Boston is, doesn't need to upgrade, yeah. is the thing. So I think overall, he's going to get moved, DeAndre. And I just feel like it's going to be one of these lower East teams that make a move to prevent the Cavs from <laughs> you know, securing their, their, their final spot. Do you think the Magic tried a couple starters for him? <laughs> one of their 10 starters? Could Bismack Biombo be the centerpiece of this deal? We talked about Toronto and defensive stoppers. <laughs> Let us know where you think DeAndre Jordan's going to go. Is he's even going to go anywhere? Let us know if you think DeAndre Jordan's going to get moved. And then if he is going to get moved, where do you think the most likely landing spot is? Where do you think the most like, likely landing I still spot think is the though? Cavs will work out a deal. Yeah. I, I think that's just something's going to happen. Sprinkle some magic on it. I'm worried about putting a lot of talent together on that Cavs team. I was a little worried at the start of the season. I talked about putting D-Wade there and just getting talent for talent, but we've kind yeah. of seen them settle in. And I think DeAndre is a different yeah. thing. You're filling not only a need, but you're filling a need with talent. And I feel like the Cavs probably the most likely landing spot, but I feel like we're going to see the Bucks or the Wizards move in and try to snatch him away from the Cavs. But again, let us know where you think DeAndre Jordan is going to end up at the end of the season. But anyways, let's move on now to our final topic. And we are talking about Colin Sexton, the freshman guard out at Alabama. We've talked about Michael Porter Jr. We've talked about Luka Doncic. We've talked about Bagley a little bit, yeah. but we haven't really touched upon him. We've talked more about Porter really yeah. so far with his injury. But now with Porter being injured, kind of opens up some lanes for people to sneak in the top five. And one of those players, Colin Sexton, just dropped 40 points over the Thanksgiving break, and that was mostly in 3-5 and five basketball against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Gave Alabama their first loss, but he almost outscored the Golden Gophers with only two teammates on the floor. Yeah. Colin Sexton had one crazy performance. He's looking like the best point guard in this draft, and we kind of underrated the point guards at least a little bit so yeah. far from the look of it because you look at him, you look at uh, Trey out, uh, as well outside at, at Oklahoma. He's looking great. So Duval, a little yeah, bit Duval less, but he's, he's, he's another notch down, half notch down. But Colin Sexton so far to me is the best point guard prospect in this draft. Do you think that he has enough to possibly sneak into the top five? Yeah, I think absolutely he will sneak into the top five if he can continue. Really? If he can continue, not the 40 points, but like his first three games was like 22, 25, Yeah, right 29. now he's averaging 24.7 points per yeah. game. He's, and the thing is, it's, it's points, but it's also rebounds. It's also assists. It's also steals. He's, he's participating across the board. He's giving you like complete game. And that's the thing. You're not getting a one-way player. You're getting a solid two-way player who hopefully can translate that to the NBA. And in the top five... I guarantee you there's a team who needs a point guard more than a big. Yeah. Like that's it might it might not be entirely based off of, you know, you know, you are the fifth best talent or top five talent, 
But there is a team who needs a point guard for sure in that top five. Well, at least looking at the top five currently, you look at Chicago. Yeah. They need a, a, a point guard, uh, possibly. Are you telling me campaign is not the future? <laughs> well, you look at Chris Dunn, who currently is the starting point he, guard. He's looked good. He, he, he hasn't better. looked bad, but then if you if you look at him and Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton definitely has a brighter future being way younger than Chris Dunn. I'd say that Colin Sexton has a brighter future. You look at Atlanta. They don't really need a point guard. No. They got Dennis Schroeder. You look at Den- uh, Dallas Mavericks. They just drafted one in Dennis Schroeder. You look at Sacramento. Hello, they just drafted De'Aaron Fox. And yep. you look at Phoenix Suns. Maybe that's the one place yeah. that needs them. But even desperately, then, they got tight. They, well, I mean, do do they desperately need a point guard in Phoenix? Yes. Yes, they absolutely do. I don't know. Tyler Lewis, I love him. Look, I, I was probably the biggest Tyler Lewis mm-hmm. fan of him coming out. I mean, they He's, still got Brandon Knight. Yes, they still have Brandon <laughs> Knight. If we're going to hang our hats on something, it's that they have Brandon Knight. When he comes back, you watch out. You watch out. Uh, he's going to bring it. No, it, it's, it was the Suns. That was the team I was thinking of. I keep thinking that, like, it's that one more piece, one more piece. And honestly, it's kind of almost, I don't want to say a lack of development of the rest of their players. We knew Jackson wasn't going to be an elite scorer in the NBA. He's been a solid defender, probably above average for his class, of course, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then we have Chris and we have Bender down low. Both of those guys starting to look better, but not quite there yet. So obviously, you're still resting on Booker, and you need if you can get a tandem. Guard tandems is how you win this game. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to bring up, though, at least with Colin Sexton, the mm-hmm. one thing I noticed, obviously, his scoring is unreal. You look at what yeah. he did in that Minnesota game. That is what I love at at least looking at a player. You look at his ability to take over, his ability not to be afraid. He made that a one possession game. <laughs> With only having two other teammates out there. And there was one play where he gets trapped near the right side of the, the court. He, and he, he was stuck in the corner and then started moving out towards the wing. And then he goes around five defenders, cuts in the lane, and gets it with the left hand on the left side of the court with his left hand. It was unreal just seeing him weave through five defenders, kind of like looked like he was at, on ice skates pretty yeah. much, just moving through. It was unreal. And, and his ability to get his team back, and he was doing it not only driving to the bucket, but he was also doing it from the outside. He was just coming up and firing up threes. Yeah. And this is a kid that doesn't have the prettiest shot. He's not <laughs> that good from the line. He had a nice game against Minnesota, again, 12-16 from the line. But overall, I don't like his shot from the line. He's not that great of a shooter in general, but he was coming down. And I just mean, you say chuck- not a great shooter. He's right now averaging 50% from two, 48 from three. Okay, but it's still what early I'm in saying season, by, by great shooter is... Mechanics? Yeah. Stroke? Yeah, it's not, it's not that pretty. It's not Lonzo bad, <laughs> but it's, it's sort of like Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson had threes falling for him in college, but it, overall it wasn't going to be something right. that sustained. He didn't have a nice shot. He, didn't, yeah, he wasn't almost, a natural shooter. He had like a mini hitch in his shot. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't a natural shooter. It's not, it's not really mechanical that's, that's super noticeable, but it's not the cleanest of shots coming okay. out. And I think it's one thing where it might not be consistent in the NBA. I feel like he might be a decent three-point shooter, but he's, I don't think he's going to be at least you know consistent. He's not going to be levels like Jamal Murray, pretty, at yeah. least shooting threes, um, but at least coming out of college. But Colin Sexton was able to come down four or seven from three in that game and just coming down and knocking down threes. And it wasn't like he was banking him in. It wasn't looking like he was like, <laughs> he was just straight sinking them. And, nice. and it's one thing where he had that tenacity and he had that ability to put his team on his back. And it's it's something that you know was it, it kind of showed in Dennis Smith Jr. last year. 
reason why people compare Dennis Smith Jr. to Russ, kind of yeah. having that ability to just take over and be the guy. That's one thing he's going to have to do, at least in this Alabama team. They have a lot of good prospects on this team. They they're they're going to be a tournament team, but it's something that he is the guy, and not, no one's really questioning it. But the one thing that I was trying to get to, at least with the Phoenix Suns, and the problem that I have, at least a worry with that is, you look at Devin Booker, natural score. You look at T.J. Warren, natural score. You look at Josh Jackson, at least in college, he was a scorer. We know he's going to be more of a defender, but at least his best ability is going to be cutting the basket yeah, and scoring. Yeah, he's a slasher. Yep. So the one thing with Sexton, his ability is to score. I know it's not bad to score a lot of points in the NBA, but one thing is they need somewhat of a, of a facilitator. And I don't know if Sexton has that ability to be a true facilitator. I think he's really good in transition passing yeah. the ball, but I don't know if he is a true facilitator of an offense, getting an offense going, and that's the biggest worry that I have, at least with the Phoenix Suns, is you're going to have Devin Booker, he's a scorer. You're going to have Colin Sexton, he's a scorer right now. You're going to have T.J. Warren off the bench, he's a scorer. You're going to have a lot of guys whose first instinct is to score, and I don't know if that's going to be the best pairing out there, because right now, at least John Wall, you look at John Wall and Bradley Beal, those are two-guard combo, but it works because John Wall is going to pass the ball a ton. Yeah, and that's fair. And that you know the funniest thing about it is that, you know, coming out right now, his comparison, Colin Sexton, is guess who? Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. The, the man that they son. literally just walked out of town. So it's kind of funny that that's the comparison. I don't think it's a problem of um, a lack of facilitator. I don't think that will be a problem for them mm-hmm. because Phoenix, honestly, the way they seem to rotate, like Chris is very unselfish when it comes to scoring, and whenever they rotate in centers, like between Len and, honestly, if they want to roll with Bender and Chris out there at the same time maybe, like, I don't see it as a huge negative. I, you need multiple guys who can score, though. If you don't have yeah. multiple threats, you run into problems where you get complaints about point guards uh, like Ricky Rubio, who facilitator, phenomenal, but isn't going to threaten you. So if you have somebody like Sexton, who he can jack up shots, and his shot at least seems to be going in pretty consistently right now, that's what you need. You need someone who can threaten because up to this point, I haven't seen anything on Josh Jackson offensively where I'm going to trust him being the number two scorer on this team. Well, one thing, let me interject real quick. Is yeah. Josh Jackson, again, is playing on a bad Phoenix Suns team, and it takes time for guys they're to adjust to They're averaging a shit ton of points. Yeah, but it, 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 they're also giving, they're not, sh- they're giving that's a fine. shit ton of points. But the, the, the point is he should be able to show that offensive prowess if there is any. Right the now. one thing, we didn't see that from Brandon Ingram early on, and it's, oh, it's not Christ. like, but now we're seeing it develop. It, it's going to take these guys time. That's true. And, and you look at Aaron Gordon, <laughs> it took him four years, and now he's finally dropping 40 points games. It's, it's something that... I feel like these guys just need to get comfortable in the position. Yeah. I feel like you're asking too much from rookies. From a 20-year-old, I mean, yeah. Not every kid's going to go out there and be Ben Simmons right away. Not every guy's going to go out there and be... He took a year off. He redshirted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Joel Embiid took three years off, and he's looking worth. Um, but the thing is, is that I, I feel like... I think we're getting a little spoiled with some of the rookies in this class right yeah, now. Yeah, and I feel like you're, you're expecting too much. I feel I feel yeah. like maybe, and maybe I'm expecting no, too much, I, because maybe Colin Sexton, again is going to be able to become a facilitator along with a scorer, and maybe you're going to take the scoring ability and then just hope the facilitating comes yeah. alongside of it. I, I, I like the idea, and again, I'm not against it. I think Colin Sexton's going to rise up some boards. I think he's going to be able to jump Bamba, because you look at Bamba right now, he's going to be able to be an elite defender. Mm-hmm. But what's his offensive upside? And also with a guy like Colin Sexton, he has a feel for the American game. And I know you love Luka Doncic. I know I do. he's a fantastic well-built player. Yep. And I know he's got all the skill sets. He's already pretty much matured. He's got. He's been around pro basketball for so long. 
but it's a different game at least. And, and we've seen guys do it before. Gasol brothers, we've seen Kristaps do it, we've seen Dirk do it, we've seen guys Dragic. come over. Dra- we, Dragic has been able to do it. We've seen guys come over and be yep. successful in the NBA game. Ricky Rubio as well, if we're going to mention him. Guy who is pretty built fundamentally. Yeah. Um, but one thing with it is you're always going to look, at least scouts are, and at least what you know guys are going to look at is you're going to look at upside and you're also going to look at, a- at athleticism. Yep. And Colin Sexton's athleticism jumps off the page. Yep. His speed is unreal. His ability to pass and transition, I'll give him that. And, and another thing, at least with his facilitating, and a, a reason why I wouldn't be too afraid of it, I'm just bringing it up now mm-hmm. just to you know counter-argue. Yeah. He's really comfortable with the ball. He looks like a natural that's, bringing that's the, the ball thing, up. Is he looks he's, like a pure point guard. He's, he's fluid up there. He's got the yep. size of a point guard. Um, he, sometimes he looks like John Wall bringing <laughs> the ball up. I, I've seen a little John Wall in him. I've seen a little Eric Bledsoe, like you mentioned. I've seen a little Russ in him. I've seen yep. Darren Fox in him a little bit. He's a, he's a guy that's really a modern point guard. Yeah. And, and I feel like maybe the, the facilitating would come around, especially if you're going to have a guy like that book around you. Um, I feel like, though, he's going to be able to jump a guy like Bamba. Uh, I, Bamba might be able to come on, and I'm not saying yeah. Bamba's not going to be able to have great games like Colin Sexton had against Minnesota. Um, but I also feel a guy like Doncic, again, I know you love him, and maybe you can make the argument against this right now, but Sexton has the athletic ability and has the ceiling to possibly jump guys like Doncic, who scouts aren't seeing right now playing against college competition. Maybe jump even a Michael Porter, who's not going to be playing against college competition this year. Right. Maybe Sexton who's been hella impressive so far, will be able to continue six this. Six games, though. And jump That's with the context. Like, this is Michael six Porter, games. Zero games. <laughs> well, two minutes. Well, two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> two minutes. Doncic, zero college games. But I think that's the problem is people try, and I agree, potential is exactly what you're looking for. Potential, mm-hmm. athleticism are the two biggest things. And when I see Euro players, it's always a knock that it's very hard to gauge their potential compared to... Um, college athletes because we've seen the trajectory of college athletes a million times more yep. than Euro players. So it's very hard to, it's apples and oranges, to be 100% honest with you. So saying that um, a player like Colin Sexton has more potential than Doncic. Rudy Gobert as well. Rudy Gobert, yeah. I mean, I mean, if we want to be assholes, we can cook Nico. I mean, no, that's not a good That's one. not going to help your that's case, but no. um, that's the point. Is it's very, it, it's, we've seen a more proven track record from college to the pros. We know what to expect. We can see similarities, we can see matchups, so you can see top-tier players playing against each other, and you have a baseline comparison. Mm-hmm. In Europe, it's a very different uh, way to view the game because these players aren't guys who are in college. These aren't guys who are getting as many games on TV against, you know, national, with yeah, national and, scouts And there. some are playing in pro leagues against yeah. pro players. You look at Doncic right now, he's playing with Rudy Fernandez. He was a guy who used to be in the Portland Trailblazers, a guy that I absolutely love. Yeah. I was a huge Rudy <laughs> Fernandez fan. Um, he had a terrible dunk contest. That oh, year. my God. But <laughs> I'm sorry you brought that up, even. Yeah. He, he sucked in the yeah, dunk contest. Yeah, I was saying, he should not have been I in that Rudy contest. I loved Rudy Fernandez, and when he was in there, I was like, holy shit, Rudy Fernandez <laughs> in the dunk contest. And then he just, he was but awful. Yeah. I just feel like potential is very, people are... Capping potential, potentially too low for Doncic I, I, because he's zero. Yeah, no, I, and I get that. But yep. but the thing is, is, the only reason why I say that is maybe again it's it's a different game. But I don't see that speed that I see in Colin Sexton. I don't, and I know they're different players. And Colin technically different, five inches shorter in, in different positions. Yeah, technically different positions. Even though they have the same and you know primary ball handlers, yeah. you know what they're both going to be doing for your team. So. I agree. I just I can't put him up there yet. There, I, it's six games in. I've not seen enough. And I mean, the three v five game was awesome. And I'm sure that's going to be like a story of the year for the entire year. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to look at that Minnesota team and be like, once that happened, they sort of were half assing. Well, and we got to look at the two top guys that we talked about coming into this. This is the one thing I want to mention is how crazy this draft class so far has been. Yeah, the two guys that we mentioned is our top right now. 
Doncic and Porter. Yep. Porter, obviously injured. Yep. And we look at Doncic again. We haven't seen him go up against college-level right. athletes so So his far. stock will be mostly sitting or dropping. It's very hard for him to grow his value right now. Yeah, until the combine comes around, they're able to see him, you know, test measurables yeah. against once these other get, college players. Once you get in-house interviews and mm-hmm. workouts, then it'll change. But looking at it, you look at Bagley. Oh, I'm, he has I'm, been... I'm, I was if, I've been iffy on Bagley, <laughs> but you look at the Texas game, or yeah, the Texas game where he drops 30, I don't like the last minute shot that he's firing up a three there, <laughs> but he looks scary. Confidence in he that one. <laughs> absolutely scary out there. Aiton yeah. can't catch a ball, but physically he's disgusting. Yep. He is an, an absolute monster. Arizona's struggling, but Aiton, again, yeah. he looks physically like a monster out there. Again, we're mentioning Sexton. He looks disgusting out there. We yeah. talk about at least uh, Jaron Jackson from Michigan State. He looks damn good. He's on top of it, yeah. My boy Miles Bridges, still the best sophomore in the uh, in the <laughs> NCAA right now, and he's still going to be a top 10 pick. It's fun right now. It is, and with, that's, with I, love, I love class. the early um, college season because we're seeing, you know, these guys who, in basically, we have very little tape on them. We got a little bit of the oh, championships, yeah. the under-18s. I, I don't know about a little bit of tape. We've, no, we I mean, for the, for the casual fan. Okay. Um, I'm, from the casual fan's perspective, these are guys who are just hyped up, hyped up. You see it on like Reddit threads. You see it mm-hmm. on forums. And then all of a sudden, we're getting to watch them blow up in games and just through the roof with expectations. Like Bagley, like you said, we were pretty conservative on early on. And we you know a little bit like, well, I watched him play live, actually, and that was kind of fun. But like... He also got like poked in the eye, so you yeah. know, I kind of missed out on watching him play a lot. Um, but these guys who amazing hype prospects that turn into like, holy shit, this is legit. Like this class is absolutely crazy, and, and it's fun just seeing all these guys. And again, we, we you talk about uh, I, I keep forgetting his last name, but Trey out in uh, Oklahoma just dropped over forty points. He looked disgusting as well. You mentioned Duvall uh, yep. out in Duke as well. I mean, there's a ton of players deep in this draft as well that could be absolutely yeah. fun. So. It's, it's going to be a fun draft. I think Sexton can definitely move into the top five. And depending on the team picking, maybe top three. I'm still saying wild card Suns, watch out. I'm, I'm thinking if the Suns end up with a top three pick, maybe they go with them. Because, you know, Bagley, Aiton, if they're sold on Bender and Chris, they're probably not going to go there. They don't need a small forward. They have Josh Jackson and TJ Warren. Mm-hmm. Just saying, maybe Colin Sexton works into a top three. I really like what we're seeing from Sexton. But let us know who your top five is in this NBA draft so far. Do you think Sexton is in there? Let us know in the comments down below. But that's going to wrap up the Fast Break Podcast, at least this version of it. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, do something. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's a good one. If you're listening to Blog Talk Radio, (laughs) thank you for listening down there. If you're watching on YouTube, again, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Check out patreon.com slash podcast. You can be on one of our podcasts if you are on that $10 tier. But off of that $2 tier, you got Patreon-exclusive podcasts that are absolutely fun. You also check out uh, iTunes. You rate us yeah. five stars on there. That's it's a terrible ending. Five stars <laughs> on iTunes to the Onside Kick, Fast Break Podcast, Primetime Podcast, and Rick and Johnny Podcast. And also, again, we're selling T-shirts. Check the link in the description. Or not the link. Check in the description on how to Those details. do that. Fucking up this outro, <laughs> but it's going to be done. And also, we got the OC edition. We're talking D-Rose over there, so check that out on our YouTube channel. But for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.